So week three of X marks the spot. You know, the last couple weeks we've been talking about following Jesus. We've been talking about being united with him and, and how we should go about doing this. And, and as a disciple of Jesus, what we should do. How should we follow him? And, and, and basically, how, how do we go about this? You know, we know we need to be able to hear his voice. We need to be able to hear the voice of Jesus compared to the other voices that are in the world. You know, there's many voices that are going to try and get us away from what God calls us to do. And all they're going to want to do is steal and destroy us. So we need to know that voice of Jesus. And we learn his voice by taking time with him, by taking time in prayer, by taking time reading his word to where we truly know it's his voice instead of just another voice trying to lead us down a path of destruction. And then last week, we talked about being united with Jesus, about bearing fruit and how we as disciples are called to bear fruit. But even during that bearing, bearing fruit time, we're going to be pruned. There is going to be pain that comes with it. However, with that pain, we're going to be able to produce more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. And those who don't produce fruit, you know, the word said that they will be pruned off. They will be thrown to the ground to where they wither and thrown into the fire. And as disciples of Jesus, as we're abiding in him, it means that we're going to produce fruit and we're going to do what his word calls us to do. So now this week, we're going to go just a little bit deeper. And we're going to talk about being commissioned by Jesus what he has commissioned us as Christ followers to do. And, and I think even better yet, instead of just what we've been commissioned, what is the cause? What is the cause that we as Christ followers should stand up for in our life? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be in verses 16 through 20. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew, or you can use your smartphone, iPad, whatever it is. If you're watching online, um, the verses will also be across, on the side of the screen. So, <laughs> so with that being said, let's go ahead and dig into God's word. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. It says the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of age. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and Lord, we just want to glorify your name and seek you in everything that we do. And Lord, as we take this time, I just ask that you open up our hearts that we may receive what it is you want us to receive. And may your name be glorified through it all. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So two weeks ago, I started out this series um, by saying this. There's probably nothing more lacking in the modern church today than the fact that our churches are not making disciples. Churches are not making disciples. And I think, you know, we as a church need to get back to the basics. And the basics is disciple making. 
disciples making disciples. You know, and unfortunately, many churches, many Christians have turned more of an inward. You know, they're looking more inward and being um, just caught up in all different other stuff instead of the basics of Christianity, instead of the basics of what we've been called to do, and that is make disciples. And, you know, it, Jesus says it very clearly. Right here, he says very clearly, we're to go and make disciples of all nations. And as I was doing some research for this message, I found an interesting thing from Barna Group. They did a survey, and they actually asked churchgoers this simple question. Have you heard of the Great Commission? Now, mind you, this is churchgoers. It is in the U.S. Churchgoers, have you heard of the Great Commission? 51% of churchgoers said no. 51% of churchgoers have never heard of the Great Commission. 6% said they're not sure. 25% said yes, but I can't recall the exact meaning of it. And only 17% said yes, and it means. Think about that. We as a church have failed. We as a church have failed when there is 51% of churchgoers say they have never heard of the Great Commission. Now, I hope that wouldn't be the same in this church. I hope it wouldn't be the same. But it's actually interesting as we look at this and you say, you know, how can we as a church not be doing what Jesus called us to do? How can preachers and pastors not be teaching on the Great Commission? How can Bible studies not be teaching on the Great Commission and telling people how to become a disciple? Because you got to be a disciple in order to make a disciple. And we're failing as a church when you see them kind of numbers. And it's interesting because Alan Yee, who is an author, actually said this. Ignorance of this term can be attributed to churches not teaching this concept enough anymore. And I actually like what David Bosch said. He wrote the book Transforming Mission. He said, there is a church because there is a mission, not vice versa. Why are we here? The church is here because 11 disciples were obedient to what God called them to do. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And what, they did, what did they do? 11 people started making disciples. The church is here because of that. It's not vice versa. The church wasn't here and then came up with this. That is the reason we have a church. And 51% of churchgoers don't know what the Great Commission is. Which is pretty sad. You know, and I hope from seeing these numbers that we understand as a church the importance of this passage. The importance of what it means to make disciples. And our calling as a church is simply that. We're to go into the world and we're to make disciples. Make disciples of all people. That's our calling. That is our mission. That is what we're supposed to do. And in case you didn't know, the passage I just read is called the Great Commission. Just in case you're one in 51%. So today you're definitely not going to be one in 51% because you're going to know what the Great Commission is and what we're supposed to do. And this is basically the last thing Jesus said before ascending to the right hand of the Father. He gave this command to his disciples before he went to be at the right hand of his Father. So it's something we need to do. 
It's not something that we just gloss over and think that it's for somebody else. It's what we're called to do as Christ followers. We have been commissioned by Jesus to bring people into a relationship with him. We've been commissioned to help move people and move the ministry of Jesus, to help people mature in Jesus. We're commissioned to further the kingdom throughout the entire world, which starts in your own household, starts in your neighborhood. That's what we're called to do. We have been commissioned by Jesus to make disciples. Of course, then that question comes, well, how do we do that? Well, I think, honestly, it's pretty, I won't say easy, but I think in order to make disciples, you have to be a disciple, if that makes sense. Because if you're not a disciple, you're not going to know how to make a disciple. You know, and we have way too many churches that are trying to make disciples with people who aren't disciples. And it's actually one of the reasons you have all of this different all these different fads and gimmicks out there. And anyone who's been in church for a while has seen, oh, here's how to buy this program and you can make disciples of your church. Oh, buy this program and you can make disciples inside your church. But the problem with that is when you buy this program, if you don't have a disciple, who's going to make the disciples? And even this church has spent money on discipleship programs that are collecting dust in the office. And I know many churches do it. Many churches buy these programs and it's the next biggest thing, as seen on TV, make disciples. We've all seen it. But if you're trying to make disciples and you're not a disciple yourself, it's never going to happen. It's never going to work. It's just going to be another program that some people happen to go to and they went to one or two lessons, they stopped going to it and now it collects dust. How to make disciples is right in God's word. How to make disciples is in God's word. All we got to do is do it. We got to do what God's word calls us to do. And understand if we're not making disciples, I can't say it any plainer than this. If you are not making disciples, then you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Think about that. If you are not making disciples, you're not a disciple. Because you're not doing what God's word calls you to do. And it's a hard truth that we've got to face as a church. It's a hard truth that we have to face as an individual. If we're not doing what God's word calls us to do, are we really a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or are we just doing church because that's what we do every Sunday morning? And unfortunately, I think that's what it comes down to sometimes. You know, if we're actually going to be obedient to what Jesus calls us to do, we're going to make disciples. You know, it, and you know, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks, and I think really we've been talking about it since the beginning of the year. We've been reading Luke 10 too since the beginning of the year. The harvest is great. Pray the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. The laborers in the harvest are going to make disciples. They're going to bring the gospel to other people. They're going to reap the harvest that's available out there. So we've been talking about it since the beginning of the year. But you got to understand, you have to really want to follow Jesus. It's up to you. If you want to really remain in Jesus, if you want to abide in Jesus, you need to saturate yourself in his word and do what his word calls us to do. And if you don't want to do them things, it's nice and simple. You're not a disciple. 
And I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I'm just saying, this is what God's word says. It's what it says. And if we want to invest in the lives of others, we have to be disciples and we have to be obedient. Now, it's interesting. It goes on and says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. Now, it's interesting here in Matthew 28, the word nations in the Greek is a word that says ethne. And ethne in Greek, I really don't think is nations. Because if you look at it and if you think about us, we think about nations as a geographical boundary under the same government, you know, kind of like the United States is a nation, Canada is a nation. So the nations are a little different. Ethne refers more to people groups. You know, it's not a political boundary or a region. It's more of a people group, you know, kind of. Go make disciples of all peoples, of everybody, instead of just, you know, nations. Because unfortunately, we think of nations differently than what they would have been thinking about back when the Bible was written. Because you didn't have nations back when, really, when it was written. Um, So it was more about people, groups, and and reaching everybody for the lost. And I was also, when I was doing some surveys, there was a, there's a group called the Joshua Project, and they actually do um, research on people groups. And according to them, there is currently 7,078 people groups that have not received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we're going, wow, that many people groups? They, there's, they've got all different ways of accounting for people groups. But with that being said, a number that we can understand is that it's 3.14 billion people who don't know Jesus Christ and have not been presented with the gospel. 3.14 billion people in the world have not received the gospel of Jesus Christ. But see, we got to understand in today's world, people are different. People groups are different. You know, last Thursday, I went to the Palm Beach Baptist Network's uh, pastor's cohort. And... It's a place we get together the first Thursday of every month as pastors from all over Palm Beach County. And we kind of have one pastor does a teaching and then we go into small group time and kind of dig deeper into it. And last week, Dr. Tim Sansbury, who's a professor of philosophy and theology at uh, Knox Seminary, gave a talk entitled Going Long to Reach the Young. And it's interesting because during his talk, what really resonated with me was as he was talking about the different people groups that we have, you know, just here like Gen X, Gen Z, millennials, baby boomers, you know, different people groups that way, was how different we really are. How different we are and how different in this room we are from each other by when we were born. Whether we're a baby boomer or millennial, Gen Z, Gen X, whatever it may be. We're so much different. And and thinking about this, when I was growing up, and a lot of you probably going to be the same way, I could go anywhere, and if there was a crowd of people, I could tell you who I was going to hang out with. Because they wore the same t-shirt as I had on, you know, whether it was a Molly Hatchet, ZZ Top, whatever it happened to be, you know. They had the same hairstyle that I had. Maybe it was a Brad Paisley (laughs) t-shirt. But they had on the same kind of t-shirt, the same jeans. They dressed like I dressed, and I knew they were going to be listening to the same music. There was no doubt in my mind they were going to listen to the same music because my generation, 
we were about the music. And we had the best music. Hate to tell anyone who's not from my generation, but my generation had the best music. All right? But I knew who they were. Yeah, my, yeah Bob, my generation had the best music. Sorry. <laughs> but I knew who they were. I knew I'd be able to hang out with them. And, and it was just going to work out. Now today, it's totally different. It's a totally different kind of person, um, kind of philosophy or thinking that you have today. You know, because today people look for, it's about a cause. What is the cause? And everything has a cause about it. It's not about what music you listen to. It's not about, you know, the your hairstyle or anything like that. It's about a cause is what is big in today's society. And, and see, unfortunately with us, a lot of times what we've done over time is we've gotten comfortable just to hang out with people who look and act like us. You know, we just hang out with people, well, well they look like me and they act like me, so we're going to hang out. And we won't go and talk to another people group because they don't fit in with us. You know, they're, they're, they're not your style or whatever it may be. But see, today's younger generation doesn't look at any of that. They don't look at any of that at all. And to kind of give you an idea of, of the difference, anyone who's a movie buff, our generation, us older people, I'm referring to, you know, 90% of us, us older people, we grew up, if you're thinking of movies, Hunt for Red October. Hunt for Red October. Russia versus the U.S. Who's going to push the button, start the nuclear war? That's what we grew up with. We grew up with, you know, worrying about bomb shelters, having to have, you know, air raid sirens going off and doing all these different things. That's what we grew up with. Today's generation, day after tomorrow. The day after tomorrow, big, you know, storms started coming, the U.S., everything froze over. You know, it was these massive storms. It was all about the climate that basically takes out everything. So it's two different worlds that we live in. We worried about someone pushing a button. The younger generation worries about what is going to destroy civilization. Is it going to be destroyed from within? Is it going to be the people that do it? Is it going to be... You know, the climate that does it, whatever it is, that's what the worry is. It's not about, you know, Russia pushing a button or it's not about the U.S. pushing a button. It's about what is going to ruin society and what is, what is their future going to be like and they all stand behind some kind of cause. Hey, think about it this way. Just like us growing up, our words really didn't mean much. You know, words were just words. Today's generation... Words are the banner with which they stand under. Words are the banner that they stand under. Think about this. Don't think about organizations. Just think about the words. Black lives matter. Baby lives matter. Blue lives matter. All lives matter. Trump 2024. Not my president. To us, them are just words. To the new generation, that is the sign they hold above their head. That is what they stand for. That is their cause. 
And if they think something is wrong, they want to do something. I got to do something. They don't know what they're going to do, but they want to do something. And sometimes what they do is wrong. But at the same time, sometimes what we do is very wrong. And if we're going to understand that, how we're going to reach his next generation, ask yourself this. When someone comes up to you and sees the clothes you're wearing or hears the words out of your mouth, what's your cause? What banner are you holding above your head? And understand that that banner is what team you're on. And if you're on a different team, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, there's going to be zero communication. And way too many of us have a banner that doesn't say Christ crucified. That should be the banner that we live under. That should be what we as a church stand for. And basically, if you take this, if you take the Great Commission and you say, let's reframe this and say, you know what? The Great Commission is the best way that we can change this world. It will change people's lives if we do the Great Commission. If we go and we tell people of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can affect change in this world that's unbelievable. That should be the cause that we stand for. Christ crucified. So instead of calling it the Great Commission, let's call it our cause. The cause of this church is to make disciples of all nations. The cause of this church is to love one another and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's an amazing cause, isn't it? With all the different causes in this world that people are getting behind, I think that's the greatest cause at all. That is definitely the greatest cause. You can effectively change people's lives. You can change your family's lives. You can change your neighborhood's lives. You can change your community and you can change the world by simply standing for that. What is the greatest command? Love, love the God, love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we're called to do. What a cause. Put it on it. That's our banner. We've got it. We're going to stand underneath it. That's what we should be as Christ followers. So really think about it. If someone comes in this church and looks at the people inside this church, what banner do they think this church is under? Will they continue to come back? Truly think about it. So the cause, would it go therefore and make disciples of all nations? See, we're called as disciples to show people where X marks the spot. Our job is to show them where Jesus can be the center of their life and how Jesus can be the X that marks the spot on their life's map. But we got to take that time to invest in others. We need to invest in other people's lives who don't know Jesus. That's what we're called to do. Let me say that again, because maybe the people in the back weren't hearing me. If you are not investing in the lives of people who don't know Jesus, you are not following the Great Commission to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Did everyone hear me or you need me to say it again? Did you hear me or are you listening? There's a big difference. It's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And I think a lot of people have this head knowledge and it hasn't gone to their heart because it hasn't affected you to move. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Not go and sit on your butt in a church. Go, that means get up and move. When's the last time you moved for Jesus besides getting up to come to church? 
or come to a Wednesday night Bible study. We are called to be disciples. It's, it's not easy. And I'm here to tell you, it is not easy to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is not easy to step up, wake up every single morning and say, I'm doing everything God wants me to do today. Because Lord knows life gets in the way. Grandkids, children, work. But then we make these excuses. Oh, well, I didn't have time. But yet during your time at work, during your time, wherever it may have been, you probably had time to talk to someone who didn't know Jesus. You probably had time to be Jesus with skin on and have that banner over your head that I am a Christ follower. But instead, what banner do we have over our head? What are the words out of your mouth that people see that dictates who you are and what your cause is? And if it's something that isn't centered on Christ, you need to look at changing it. You need to take them hard steps in your own life and change it. You know, we're, we're to make disciples. And Jesus tells us how we should make disciples. He gives a quick summary, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, we all know baptism is the first thing. Someone accepts Jesus Christ. Their next step is to be baptized. It's that obedience, that outward sign of an inward faith of accepting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, to be buried with Jesus in baptism and raised again to walk in a new life. However, think about what it also says there. Teaching them to observe all. So they're observing everything that Jesus has commanded. So you're not just teaching them, giving them that head knowledge, because knowledge like that is simply nothing. But observing it, obeying it, doing what it calls them to do. Doing what it calls them to do. So we're going to teach God's commands. We're going to teach what Jesus said. And not only here's what he said, here's how you apply this in your life. And I think that's where it comes up missing a lot of times. How to apply this and how to do this each and every day. And it's not easy. As disciple makers, our job is to help new disciples obey the commands of Jesus. Now think about this. That means that we're going to take the time and we're going to teach someone what it looks like to turn the other cheek. We've got to teach someone how to turn the other cheek when they're not being treated fairly. We need to be able to teach somebody that. We should pray with someone and then consider how, how Jesus' instructions on how to handle conflict. As they're going through conflict with a friend, teach them, look, this is what God's word says, and let's pray about this, but this is how you handle that conflict. This is how you move forward. You know, we should help someone wrestle through the how to love and to obey their parents, which isn't always easy. But we should be doing that, not only teaching them what it says, but how to observe it, how to actually do it. See, Jesus' commission here is the turning point in the Bible. It is a turning point in the Bible because prior to this, all we had was God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3. That's what we had before this. When God said he would bless all the descendants of Abraham, the whole world would be blessed, the whole earth would be blessed through him. 
And then understand, Jesus, who is a descendant of Abraham, came and died on the cross, rose again, and reconciled us to God. Reconciled us to God. So that promise is fulfilled, at least part of it. The promise that the whole earth would be blessed through Abraham was partially filled when Jesus died and rose again. However you think about this, Matthew 28 gives his disciples and each one of us a chance to fulfill God's promise by spreading the good news. By spreading the good news and being disciples. So we get to be a partake in the fulfillment of God's promise. Now, isn't that pretty amazing? We get to help God do his work. That's pretty good. A God who can do everything by himself chooses to use us to to do his work. But we have to accept that chance. We have to agree and actually have to do it. And that's where the problem comes in. Well, I've done my part, Pastor. I've done what I have to do. Well, I think it's interesting. It says, to the end of the age. So none of us have hit to the end of the age yet. Maybe we've hit to the end of the age that we feel we can do God's work. But he's not done. To the end of the age, until the end of time, until we meet him face to face. That's when we're finished. That's when we finish doing what he called us to do. And we're able to help fulfill the promise of God to Abraham by spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even in Revelation 7, 9 through 10, it says this. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All nations, all tribes, all languages. What are you doing to do your part? What are you doing to do your part? Consider this. Consider if you're a manager in a small business. All right, so you're managing this small business. And so what you do is you, you get some people and you, you train somebody. So as you're training that person, they generally start training somebody else who's a newer person than them. So now the trainee becomes a trainer, and even though you're still training this person, they're onward training somebody else, and then they end up training someone else, and it goes on and on and on. Imagine how strong that business would be if everyone knew what the manager did, and if everyone was able to train someone else to do what the manager called them to do. That's the gospel. That is what we are called to do with the Great Commission. Each one of us should be being trained and in the process training somebody else to do the same thing. And if we honestly did that, if we were truly disciples of Jesus Christ and we were doing what his word called us to do and we were teaching others what his commands were and showing them how to observe his commands, man, that'd be a pretty strong church, wouldn't it? That'd be pretty amazing because everyone would be involved. Everyone would be involved doing something and you'd have trainers and trainees and you'd just be blowing up. That'd be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? Think about this. This week, I want to challenge you. 
I want to challenge you to step outside of your comfort zone. Step outside of your comfort zone and talk with someone who don't know Jesus. And if you're one of those people who have just surrounded yourself with Christians and other church goers, you're really going to have to step outside your comfort zone because you need to go talk to someone who you don't know. Have a conversation with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Find out their name. Listen to their story. And then tell them what Jesus has done in your life. Take that step. Be bold enough to step out of your comfort zone. Because like I said, this church will never ever grow if all we do is hang out with other Christians and other people who come to this church. Because if you're only hanging out with people here, how are you going to invite somebody new? Of course, I will admit this week I invited Liz to church because I hadn't seen her in a while. <laughs> then, then she accused me of calling her out, so now I figure I'll call her out while I'm up here. <laughs> but we need to take time and have them conversations with people who don't know Jesus. And every one of us should at least know one person who doesn't know Jesus. Are you going to take that time, step out of your comfort zone and invest time into that person? And if you have to, pray about it. Pray about how God can use you to reach somebody for the lost. How maybe you can have a conversation with someone who maybe you beat them up too bad that they're not listening to you anymore. And maybe because you haven't been Jesus with skin on in this person's life, that when you approach them about Jesus, they shake their head. So maybe pray and ask Jesus how you can change how you talk to this person or opening their eyes so they can see and don't beat them over the head with the King James Bible. The church isn't going to grow if all we do is hang out with people in church. It's not going to grow if all we do is hang out with each other. We've got to go outside of our comfort zone. We're called to make disciples in all nations of all people groups. That's what we're called to do. And it seems pretty simple. But we won't even take that step to introduce ourselves to someone who's maybe different than us. Because we're too stuck in our own comfort zones. So let's step out of them comfort zones this week. Step outside the box and invest in someone's lives. Invest in someone else's life. And let's take steps in discipleship. Think about it. What is the cause that you stand for? Honestly, think about that this week. What is the cause that you stand for? And what is the cause that people think you stand for compared to what you think you stand for? As a church, people should see our cause as we are disciples of Jesus, making disciples of Jesus. That's what they should see us as. That should be our cause. And if that's not your cause, start praying about it. Start asking God to change your heart, to change you to be the disciple and the disciple maker that he calls us to be. And, you know, maybe you're sitting here and saying, that's good, Pastor Kim, but I don't know Jesus. Well, God's word says that, you know, we're all sinners. We all fall short. 
But it also says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then from there, you can take them next steps. You come up here today during this service. We'll pray about it. We'll say the prayer of salvation. You come into the family of God. Once you come into the family of God, you, you set up them next steps of being baptized. And then you start digging in. You have someone come up and be, be the Paul in your life as you're that Timothy. And they start teaching you all that Jesus has commanded. And they start teaching you how to observe what God's word says. And then you in turn become a Paul to someone else and they become your Timothy and you start doing the same thing. That's what disciples do. That's what being a disciple and a disciple maker means. And it could start today if you don't know Jesus. And maybe some of you have known Jesus for a long time, but you stop being a disciple maker. And if you're not making disciples, you're not a disciple. Think about that. That's a hard truth. And this may be an uncomfortable message for some, just like last week was uncomfortable. But this is what God's word says. And if we're going to be a church of Jesus Christ, we need to do what Jesus tells us to do. Through obedience to his word. Not obedience to what I say. Not obedience to what you say. But obedience to what he says. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. So maybe you just need to come up here and leave it at the altar or right where you're at. Just have that conversation. God, make me a disciple so I can be a disciple maker. Give me that fire back in my soul the day I accepted you as my Lord and Savior. Because every one of us can probably remember the day of our salvation and how on fire we were. We wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. Get that fire back become the disciple and the disciple maker that you're called to be. Heavenly Father, I raise this congregation to you, Lord. Lord, I raise them up to you that we will truly know what your word says. That we will know your commands and that we will observe them in our life. That we'll stop playing church and that we'll be the church. And that we'll get out of our comfort zone for you. And Lord, I, I just ask that you touch their hearts this week. Put someone on their heart that they need to have that conversation with. That they need to talk to about you. And Lord, that we would all start being true disciples and making disciples. And that you would be our cause. And that anything else that people may see as our cause, that we will strip that away so that our cause becomes nothing but you. That you're the banner that we stand under. And Lord, I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.